The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two, Deb Hutton is here, former advisor to two Ontario premiers, now in private practice. Michelle Morrow is a music teacher. Bob Richardson, senior counsel at National Public Relations. And you know what? Sometimes I like starting off with something that might be a little counterintuitive. And in this case, we were just talking about this. Um, Kevin O'Leary talking about the fact that nobody wants to come to the office anymore. So fine. If you want to work from home, I can call you at any time. You're an independent contractor, Deb Hutton. Would you consent? to somebody calling you at two in the morning because you're working from home? Well, I mean, to be fair, I do some crisis management. So that sort of is what you you have to make yourself available for when you have clients who might have something blow up, so to speak, uh, at all hours of, of the day and night. I, I think this is a little over the top. I, I understand his point, which is if you're not going to work nine to five, then I don't have to respect nine to five. And there is some truth to that. I, I just think the notion that you would call one of your staff at two in the morning because you feel like it or you're in a different time zone seems a little bit much. Yeah, and I guess your business model is so completely different, Michelle Morrow, but I mean, do you subscribe to the idea that if people are going to have complete freedom to work when they want, then their boss should have the freedom to call them whenever he wants? No, I do believe you still need some separation from work and home. And um, one thing we know about Kevin O'Leary is he he loves business as much as he loves fame. So I feel like this is something he put out here to get his name back in the in the media. And you know what? If if people can call him at two in the morning, too, like if I was an employee and I had a problem and I could call him at two in the morning and he was fine with it, then I'd probably be more open to him calling me at two in the morning. Yeah. Bob Richardson, uh, you know, when you look at this, it's I, I like Michelle's approach, actually. He thinks if he can bug you, you can bug him. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with her. Uh, look, uh, this is Kevin O'Leary grandstanding. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of fun. I, I wouldn't take it for anything more than that. I think uh, you set up reasonable hours with your employees. You try to work within them. As Deb said, if something comes up, you deal with it. But uh, otherwise, people have uh, a right to their private life and to uh, spend time with their uh, family and friends. Let me start with you, uh, Bob Richardson, on this next topic. I don't know if you had anything to do with it this weekend. I know you do some liberal strategy, but the provincial liberals uh, were attempting to regroup and reform in Hamilton this weekend. Do you have any takeaway? Yeah, it was a huge meeting, uh, like a massive turnout. I was going to go on the Friday night, but didn't because of the weather. Uh, but it uh, it was a huge meeting. They made the right choice on uh, how to choose the next leader. Um, there is certainly life in the party yet. And I think one of the reasons there is, is there is a vibrant kind of quiet leadership race going on between three uh, candidates. So uh, so I think uh, this is bodes well for, uh, for the Ontario Liberal Party. And uh, my understanding is people were uh, uh, quite happy with the weekend. So uh, good for them. They got a lot. They got a long road back, but uh, you got to start somewhere and uh this was a pretty good start okay we might as well name names the three candidates are uh what erskine smith uh, uh nate erskine smith in uh, the beaches member of parliament down there yasser nakfi a member of parliament in ottawa who was the attorney general in ontario and uh mpp from uh, kingston named uh, tetsu okay uh michelle morrow i make no assumptions about your politics do you follow something like a convention of a third party yeah, I always find it interesting how they work. And I feel kind of silly that I didn't know this. I had assumed that it was one for one voting. So I'm really glad that they have made this transition. I think it's a lot easier for to get people involved when you're like, hey, uh, my vote actually means something. I'm not voting for someone who's then going to vote for me. 
Okay, but then, Deb Hutton, first of all, it takes the drama out of the convention, and second of all, it can hijack a party. Okay, so here's my shoe with it, John. They're talking about renewal and changing the way they're, as we just discussed, how they're going to choose their leader. The Ontario Conservatives did this 30-plus years ago in time for the 1990 leadership, 30 years ago, and they're calling this renewal. To be honest, I think the movement, broadly speaking, is to get away from some of the one-person, one-vote stuff because of the ease of selling memberships that we've seen in so many contests nationally. Looking, say, to the UK and how they chose their leader in a bit of a hybrid model of stuff. So I just find the notion of coming into the you know 1990s in 2023... Uh, a little bit laughable when you're talking renewal. Well, and I don't know how much of a distorting factor it is, but I actually know people who joined parties they don't support, so they could choose the leader that they thought was the worst option. I mean, is that a possibility, Deb? Yeah, absolutely, which is why, uh, as I said, those who have had the one-person, one-vote for decades are actually rethinking if that is the best way, because you get special interest groups, uh, to be frank, in the in the conservative movement, it's often the, the social conservatives who hijack a leadership and and members that have no intention of ever supporting the party or being members full time. Parents at the York Catholic School Board are angry, not all of them, but some of them anyway, angry enough to show up at a meeting and provide enough of a stink that uh, they had to call the cops. They're upset over gay inclusion stickers. Michelle Morrow, I don't, you know, I get maybe you have religious issues about certain things, but I don't understand how you can have a religious issue that rules out including people who are normally shut out. I agree. And especially looking at this story, these weren't new stickers. They were simply asking for replacements because they'd had them for over 10 years. So just because you notice them now doesn't mean that they haven't been there for a while. And again, it's there's so many things that kids are dealing with between like just growing up and puberty and bullying and that sort of thing. So having something where it says you can come here and relax and you don't need to worry about these outer forces preying on you. I don't see that as a bad thing. My kids are in a Catholic school and I would 100% support any teacher who had this in their room. Bob Richardson, I had always thought and perhaps I was foolish that there was this sort of relentless progress toward a level of inclusion and in particular when it comes to uh, you know gender issues and queer space and all of that stuff. But it would seem with this war on drag queens and everything else that it's actually people are beating a hasty retreat. Uh, I, I would uh, say that this is very much a small minority, and we shouldn't take our eye off the ball here. I think a progress has co- and continues to move forward. I'm a Catholic. I'm appalled at hearing this. Uh, I suspect it's a small, merry band of people who are uh, making these sort of uh, uh, comments, and it's not reflective of the uh, broad number of parents or families uh, at uh, at the school. And I think sometimes we give these people too much uh, coverage in the media, um, and uh, as a result of that, it gets blown up to the point where it looks bigger than it really is. Okay, but Deb Hutton, we really do have, you know, people picketing outside of a library over the gay books and people complaining. I don't know where, you know, drag reading for children came from, but I see it as no different from clowns reading to children. Yeah, this this particular issue, though, John, is, I think, very specific to the to the school and to the school board and to parents who choose to put their kids in Catholic school, as do I. I am actually I'm way more exercised about this than than Bob and Michelle. I think this is disgusting when you hear the comments that a couple of these parents say then it's no wonder 
that we continue to have hateful homophobia. It, no wonder this is what kids are seeing at home from their parents. It is disgusting. The comments that these parents made, whether to Bob's point, it's a small group or not, it is awful that it is allowed. And I honestly, I, I, I understand Catholic teaching. I'm not Catholic, but I've made that choice to put my girls in the Catholic school board. I support inclusion. I support these stickers. It's slow coming. I get that. Our school raised the uh, pride flag for the first time in 2022, which I think is so beyond (laughs) ridiculous that it would take us that long, but they did nonetheless. I just, I have zero tolerance for parents like this, and I feel so terrible for their children to grow up in a home of hate. Uh, Canada's spy service has come out with a report that says climate change is a threat to national security and a threat to the economy. And Michelle Morrill, I'll start with you on this one. Whenever I discuss climate change, I'm inundated with messages from people who dispute it even exists. And here's our spy agency predicting what kind of havoc it could cause. Yeah, it was kind of crazy reading how... um the escalation of people fighting climate change and um, climate terrorists or climate terrorism. That was that was really interesting to me to, to realize that how far people are willing to go. But at the same time, when you want to talk about climate change, I feel like you're automatically hit with people who are like, it doesn't exist or the world changes itself every hundred years and we just don't know this thing. And it's really frustrating. So I can understand the length to which some people will go to make people pay attention. And maybe coming from a governmental agency or coming from a place that people hopefully respect, I know I do, will open people's eyes that we have to make these changes now or there will be no point. Yeah, Deb Hutton, I, I know there's always this incredible pushback in some because people see climate change as a, a partisan issue. All you got to do is go sit on the board of directors of a major corporation or a it. bank or something like that, and you'll find out that climate change is already being taken into account by everybody. Yeah, for sure. Most most boards sort of have updated their their mandates, whether you're in the, the private or the, the public sector, to acknowledge that and to make efforts. I just find it like I understand if CSIS is getting involved because of, of uh, echo terrorism. That makes sense to me. What is the threat to us as individuals in this country uh, because people might blow up pipelines or, or what have you? Um, I thought getting into the scientific piece of it was a little bit much for CSIS. I, I, I think maybe they should stick to Chinese interference in elections. <laughs> okay, Bob Richardson. <laughs> I, I, I'm with Deb on this one. I thought it was a little weird and a little off-brand and a little outside of their mandate for part of it. Uh, I do understand the main point of it. Uh, I would also like to hear on some of these government uh, uh, reports sometimes, what are the solutions and what are you doing to, uh, you know, help make sure that our infrastructure is safer or, you know, what are our plans to move forward on some uh, on uh, on some other things uh, which which seem to be absent in this article. So, uh, um, look, uh, it's good that CSIS is looking at this. Um, obviously, it shouldn't be their uh, their their main job. Uh, but, um yeah, I uh, stay stay out of the uh, stay out of the main road on uh, on the issue and just focus on on the key parts as they relate to uh, national security. Thanks to y'all. Good to have you this morning, Bob Richardson, Michelle Morrow, and Deb Hutton. Catch the roundtable round one at seven forty-five, round two at eight forty-five. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning News Talk ten ten Toronto.